You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati, marhaban bikum. Fi al-hawar al-siniyya al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Hello and welcome to the program. A big shout out to our listeners tuning in from Africa. Here's hoping that you can hear us loud and clear from wherever you are reaching us. I'm Bridget Mutambirwa. We're here to bring you discussions on what's happening with China and Africa from a Chinese and African perspective. Now, this October marks the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative. Since its inception in 2013, China has signed more than 200 cooperation documents on the Belt and Road with more than 150 countries and 30 international organizations. Practice has proved that the initiative meets the development needs of not only developing countries, including African countries, but also the expectations of the international community. And contrary to the accusations of debt trap diplomacy by some Western media, BRI has become a popular platform for international public goods and international cooperation. So what do we need to understand about the Belt and Road over the last decade with specific reference to Africa? And where are we now? Now to unravel today's discussion, I'm pleased to have guest Professor Liu Baocheng, and he's Associate Dean, Academy of Global Innovation and Governance, Director, Center of International Business Ethics, University of International Business and Economics. And Charles Onanaiju, he's the Director of Center for China Studies in Nigeria. Professors, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Perhaps let's begin with Professor Liu. Uh, Professor Liu, the BRI in general, as it relates to Africa in particular, focuses on the following key areas, trade, finance and investment, productive capacity, uh, which is mostly agriculture and manufacturing. Then we have connectivity of infrastructure and facilities. We also have ecological and environmental protection. And lastly, tourism, cultural, social and educational exchanges. Now, perhaps the, to begin with the most frequently asked question, in the case of Africa and China, what has been achieved since the BRI was launched in 2013? And where are we now? Professor Liu. Well, yes. Well, I think that's a very good question. The Belt and Road Program was initiated, first of all, actually to answer to the Chinese need, because mm-hmm. when Chinese productivity has reached to such a point where we have excess capacity and also we have built up more of uh, resources, uh, human resources, technological uh, resources. Right. So therefore, definitely China looks to diversify the marketplace mm-hmm. in order to gain the natural resources and also to sell its products. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really resonates with really the developmental agenda mm-hmm. of Africa. So therefore, In the meeting of uh, mutual interest is really a sustainable driver behind the collaboration and development in Africa mm-hmm. and, uh, and has also China. So the achievement has been remarkable despite of some of the disputes and uh, some of the skepticism going on in many parts of the globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we do see that uh, China has really been contributing in the construction of uh, the infrastructure, be it uh, the uh, railroads, uh, the superhighways, and uh, 
the ports and also the energy facilities. Mm. And in the meantime, China also offers uh, free aid to support more than 100 hospitals, clinics, and uh, also nearly 200 uh, schools, uh, stadiums, and uh, more than 500 agricultural projects. So therefore, the collaboration Mm -hmm. is really incremental, Mm -hmm. but uh, very steady, because people see that uh, by working together on project basis, it's better than really uh, right now we adopt a uniform rule mm-hmm. that we can play with like uh, many other type of uh, regional integrations. Right. So this turned out to be a rather practical and mutually acceptable. And more importantly, China also make sure that we are not really there to add any political taglines mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. the collaboration. And we are not there to interfere uh, with the domestic governance, although we do give some advice, which can really impact positively on those projects. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after all, the facts speak louder than words, Mm -hmm. and also people's mind sharing Mm -hmm. uh, is more important and more resilient than simply a mutual interest on a particular project. And Professor, you are in Africa. For starters, in the African context, What do we need to understand about the Belt and Road Initiative with specific reference to Africa so far? Yes, to be very clear, Africa has had a historic challenge, especially with integration. If Mm -hmm. you remember, the very foremost ideal of Pan-Africanism was Mm -hmm. uh, integration of the continent, building an economy of scale. You know, integration cannot be possible without connectivity. And um, this was the ideal. Pan-Africanism in the early 60s, and uh, this vision drove the struggle for independence Mm -hmm. from colonial rule. But then this whole vision of um, building an integrated continent that trade more with herself, that engages more with herself, could not be achieved on the basis of some very historic deficit, especially funding deficit. So the whole idea of uh, Mm Pan-Africanism driven by uh, integration, building a self-reliant economy and uh, integrating into the global value chain, playing constructive role in global economy, largely remain unachieved on account of the historic deficit of infrastructure connectivity right. uh, and other platforms of regional engagement. Mm-hmm. Belt and Road, objectively, objectively, which presented, uh, like Professor Liu has suggested, right. a public goods, you know, China offered. Uh, of course, like she said, first in the interest of China, you know, to excess capacity needed to buy diffuse across the world. Mm-hmm. But then even at that, the whole idea of diffusing excess capacity is mm-hmm. on account of a system that is not a hostage to a special interest. Okay. Because even a, a system that is a hostage to vested interest, even with excess capacity, could find other ways to restrict it to very few elements within the society. But in this case, you have a a proletarian party whose interest is aligned with the interest of the rest of the population and Mm. the world and is not a stage to any particular interest. So Belt and Road, like said, you know, this major content, unimpeded trade, infrastructure connectivity, people-to-people contact, Mm -hmm. you know, financial integration, and of course, uh, people-to-people contacts, you know. Mm. So this objectively aligns to the challenge of Africa. And Mm -hmm. that is why 
Africa welcomed it. If you remember, Africa is the region with the largest number of countries that are currently partners to the Belt and Road Initiative. 53 countries mm -hmm. in the continent out of 54 are already partners and have signed memorandum of understanding mm -hmm. to promote Belt and Road construction. And the Belt and Road construction, I must tell you, has almost seemingly revolutionized infrastructure connectivity in Africa. That historic deficit of Pan-Africanism, that historic deficit of Pan-African integration mm -hmm. has almost been filled with the engagement with the Belt and Road. Today, you have regional uh, infrastructure connectivity between Addis Ababa, landlocked, uh, landlocked Ethiopia, mm -hmm. uh, electrified train to Djibouti, to the port of Djibouti. Today, in Nigeria, you have connectivity within Nigeria. Nigeria has just had her first deep seaport, you know, first deep seaport being mm -hmm. built in three years under the Belt and Road Initiative. From Mombasa to Nairobi, up to South Sudan, the port of uh, Bogamayo in Tanzania, right. all across Africa, power plants, critical infrastructure, that we make the ideal of Pan-Africanism come back to life, that we give practical meaning to their sense of African renaissance, mm -hmm. because the vision of Pan-Africanism is African renaissance, mm -hmm. which will be powered by integrated Africa, that trade more with itself, that connect more with itself, that engages more with itself, mm -hmm. and is a value addition to the world. Mm -hmm. And in practical sense, Belt and Road is driving this vision of Pan-Africanism is adding substantial in practice to this vision of Pan-Africanism, this vision of building an economy of scale. And the impact has been really, really revolutionary. And that is why it is understandable why a whole range of African countries are aligning themselves to the Belt and Road Initiative. Professor Leo, if you could clarify for me. Because uh, Professor just mentioned something about, um, you know, the, the projects that are being done in Africa through the Belt and Road Initiative. And he mentioned how this integrated approach, um, how it's connecting Africa in, uh, you know, regionally as well, how these projects are connecting Africa regionally. And they're also suiting the goals of Pan-Africanism. But I'd like to know, while Africa's current regional infrastructure programs are primarily inward looking in the sense that they seek to deepen the continent's regional integration, whilst China, on the other hand, has a more going-out strategy approach. How then have China and Africa been able to cooperate in implementing the BRI despite the differences in connectivity aspirations over the past 10 years? Well, I very much concur with Charles' observation of the Belt and Road Program and mm -hmm. also the African reaction towards such a grand initiative. Right. And it is uh, the Chinese experience uh, because we always have a saying that uh, if you really want to get rich, you've mm -hmm. got to build the road because mm -hmm. connectivity is uh, there to bring uh, the resources, be it people, be it natural resources, be it commodities together in a low-cost strategy. Right. So by the recent observation of the World Bank report, which really identify a sort of a puzzle mm -hmm. that uh, many of those uh, resource-rich countries in Africa are suffering from a low growth rate, sure. uh, whereas uh, the uh, resource-scarce uh, countries are really gaining mm -hmm. some of the momentum in their growth. So this is really uh, related to the deficit in the infrastructure because uh, those minerals and agricultural produce are really 
scattered in those mountainous and the rural areas. Mm -hmm. So without the right type of logistic support backed by the infrastructure, uh, so they are not really competitive even in the regional market, not to mention global market. Mm -hmm. So therefore, mm -hmm. building connectivity with the physical infrastructure and also with telecommunication mm -hmm. is something that China is good at. China is known as the construction maniac sure. uh, around the world. So, and the other reason is that China is uh, there, uh, look at long-term strategy because mm -hmm. the uh, some of the projects are not really making profit mm -hmm. right away for the specific project per se. Mm -hmm. But uh, Chinese leadership and also the uh, Chinese uh, giant companies, they are looking for long-term and integrated gain in the future. Mm -hmm. So therefore they are willing to provide the type of finance and that can really have a long lead. And they are also willing to, to participate in the building of human capacity to train people with the right type of skills to mm -hmm. operate on their own. And uh, also that, uh, you know, people are always talking about you give fish or you give fishing skills. But not only that, the China will, will also offer technologies to process the fish and eventually offer the market mm -hmm. to, to really to buy the fish. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, for example, in Kenya, Chinese private companies are there to bring their technology mm -hmm. for, for the skill operation in the fishing industry and also the help to process the, the food with the technology, with the equipment, and eventually those uh, you know fish appear on the Chinese marketplace. Mm -hmm. So this is the... Uh, this is a more of a holistic and long-term vision that China can really line up with mm -hmm. uh, Africa. And uh, also, the people-to-people -people, uh, mm. exchange is something that is utterly important. Look at my campus, University of International Business and Economics. Right. We have uh, roughly 4,000 international students, mm -hmm. and one-third of them are really coming from Africa. Okay. And most of them are on scholarship. So China is there to invest into the young people uh, with knowledge, with skill, and of course with friendship so mm. that they in the end will be in the driver's seat for economic development at home and also for collaboration with China and the world at large. Mm. So therefore, gradually, the vision of BRI has been unfolded to really there to, uh, to unlock those opportunities for the local people to benefit with job opportunity, with higher income, mm -hmm. and also for China, particularly for the Chinese business community to see the huge potential that can be tapped in Africa, both as a supply of uh, resources and uh, also supply of uh, the uh, human capital mm -hmm. and uh, also the destination for, for market. And I can offer one particular, uh, particular example. I think sure. most of African people are really familiar with uh, a smartphone uh, uh -huh. by the brand of Techno. Oh, and Techno yes. does, not really, uh, does not really have a very big name at home, but uh, they do enjoy the popularity over there with the low cost, with the reliable uh, quality, and also with special feature to address uh, some of the pictures. So therefore, uh, you know, the Chinese people are rather uh, creative and uh, with the wisdom, with the enthusiasm of uh, African local people. So definitely we are there to win, mm -hmm. uh, you know, by our hard work, though, for a bright future, uh, both for China and Africa. Okay. And Professor, taking up from Professor Liu, he highlighted that, yes, the Belt and Road 
is not making profit right away. But on the other hand, um, China is looking for a long-term cooperation with Africa through the Belt and Road Initiative. Now, Africa is made of more than 50 countries. How then have China and Africa in the past been able to cooperate in implementing the BRI despite the differences on the continent? Charles? To be clear, you see, um, like I said originally, Belt and Road Initiative um, welcomed to Africa because uh, it aligns with the objective need, objective requirement, mm -hmm. with the nature of the economy of the region, because a region with huge resource deposit, with huge talent, but also undermined by a critical deficit in capacity, in infrastructure, and then enabling social, political environment for maximizing the potential, mm -hmm. the, the, the natural endowment. Mm -hmm. uh, so collaboration with China has been extremely useful in uh, providing uh, impetus for exploration of this uh, latent talent initiative. Of course, Africa itself has uh, not just been there waiting to be moved by others. It has uh, attempted, it has made serious effort on its own. Mm -hmm. uh, if you remember, in 1980, the Lagos Plan of Action outlined during the summit of African heads of state and government in Nigeria, then African uh, Organization of African Union that later become AU, outlined a robust platform, a robust framework for industrialization, for economic integration of the region. Mm -hmm. uh, you call it the Lagos of Action. It still remains one of the most uh, important documents Africa has done itself, it was basically homegrown, just like at the same time when China was beginning to modernize, mm. almost the same time as the as of the 11th Central Committee of the CPC, which took economic modernization mm -hmm. as the main work to, to rebuild China. To the same time, Africa also engaged herself in developing a clear blueprint on how to move the continent forward. Uh, unfortunately, in the case of Africa, uh, both the intervention of external forces, Western-led financial institution, World Bank and IMF, describe the, the blueprint, the Lagos Plan of Action, as unrealistic because it basically was to be driven by African indigenous effort. Mm. And uh, most of its potentials were derailed, derailed on account of this external independence and, of course, lack of uh, resources to drive the vision so the collaboration with China has been extremely wonderful. It's been contributing enormously to the renaissance of Africa. And for the Belt and Road, like uh, Professor Liu has said, mm. you know, it has unlocked critical uh, latent capacities in Africa, cooperation across the board, building an infrastructure, offering market for African products, like you know, the stage of industrialization in African China cooperation, you know, mm. in at the twenty fifteen. China-African summit in Johannesburg, the 10 points of cooperation which was outlined by Putin Xi also included infrastructure connectivity, included mm -hmm. industrialization, agriculture and modernization, and so many others. In 2018, also the summit in Beijing, which when Africans signed up mostly to the Belt and Road Memorandum of Partnership, mm -hmm. also created energetically the China-African Trade and Economic Expo, mm -hmm. which holds every two this has unlocked a whole lot of opportunities mm -hmm. for China-African cooperation. So the Belt and Road, to be precise, has provided very strong impetus right. for 
Africa to re-engage with the world, to re-engage with the economic value, with the global value chain, uh, is not only offering uh, support, collaboration in building indigenous technology, mm -hmm. in uh, building indigenous industry, putting Africa forth in the fourth industrial revolution, mm -hmm. and even positioning Africa as the next industrial frontier of the world, you know, to end the title which China had just left, not left behind, but have advanced the workshop of the world, mm -hmm. but has actually provided the domestic impetus for this and offering market, you know, offering market, you know, Africans uh, export to China has significantly increased. The trade outcome is, has the, the gap in the trade balance is closing very fast. Originally, you have almost 70% uh, imbalance in trade in favor of China mm. because of which access of African product to Chinese market, these gaps are closing very rapidly and uh, the trade investment is pouring in. Africa has seen a huge lot of investment, especially the private investment from Chinese small companies mm. have soaking up employment. The report released by McKinsey and, and Co. in 2017 made it very clear that Africans are investment jobs are becoming the new normal mm. in China African company. Okay. And Belt and Road has significantly accelerated this process. And we are looking forward that at the end of the third international forum of the Belt and Road, Africa will be much more integrated into the global economy through the engagement with the Belt and Road process. So Belt and Road naturally fuels this important deficit in Africa mm -hmm. and the collaboration has been greatly enhanced. Of course, there are challenges. Challenges mm. are there, you know, there are obvious challenges. I think in the course of our discussion, mm. we point out to some of the important challenges in African engagement with the Belt and Road Mechanism. But essentially, it has been driving Africa, in, especially in recent times, on the path of fulfilling her ideas of Pan-Africanism mm -hmm. and Renaissance. So I think gradually, they are beginning to find a common ground in what has become China-African pivotal road in building a community of shared future for all humanity. Already, China-Africa has become a community of shared future for themselves, playing vital role. And Belt and Road is very, very consequential in mm. driving this process. Mm. And we do hope uh, this is like Professor Liu said, this is a long-term thing. This is mm. a long-term thing. Right. It's a process without an end right. in view. It is a process that is continuous. It is a historical imperative of the moment, mm. which the two sides can actually continue to drive as we go ahead. Okay. Right. Uh, Professor Liu, so far, we all agree that uh, there's been a lot of investment in Africa, Chinese companies investing in Africa under the Belt and Road Initiative framework. Could you perhaps give us an idea of the kind of Chinese companies that promote key projects in Africa under the Belt and Road Initiative? Are they SMEs or government organizations that partner with African companies? And how have they been doing over the past 10 years? Well, we have to make a difference okay. uh, between the different players uh, within China, because in China we have uh, three types of uh, economic players. They okay. are state-owned companies, which right. are super and mega big. And uh, uh, there are private companies which are having different size. And also there are foreign companies operating in China. We have uh, nearly uh, 700,000 foreign companies operating mm. in China. Okay. And they are all in the process of uh, going abroad, actually from mm -hmm. China okay. as a springboard because uh, the uh, global supply chain is spread out 
so uh, rapidly. Therefore, no one country can really fulfill their needs for integration、mm-hmm. of the final products. So,、uh, for some of the mega、uh, projects、uh, which require strategic investment,、uh, the uh, state-owned firms. And backed by state-owned banks,、mm-hmm. are the ones that are leading the frontier because that requires a long lead time and return in, on investment could be more holistically calculated in terms of the not only the economic gains but also how that's going to spill over、mm-hmm. uh, uh, as a public good to many other projects and also to benefit the local employment and the local the、uh, living standard. And、uh, also local amenities, etc. But for the private firms, they are rather agile and very savvy, and they they focus on particular projects、mm-hmm. and they make their calculation、uh, very carefully over the short-term gains.、Mm-hmm. So the and then for foreign companies, they also team up with Chinese firms. Be it state-owned ones or private ones, to invest in some of the projects as a syndicate,、uh, either as a loan or、uh, a joint participation.、Mm-hmm. For example, you know the、uh, my friend, the Charles,、uh, you know he's in Nigeria.、Yeah. The Lekki,、uh, the Lekki port、uh, is something that demands,、uh, you know, the、uh, collective investment、mm-hmm. of uh, uh, up to one、uh, billion、uh, U.S. dollars. So the you know that's really a team up between private sector,、mm-hmm. the、uh, state-owned ones take the leadership, and also they involve the French partner, and so that's、uh, their you know that's a huge project not only for、uh, Nigeria the, the the country per se, but also for the entire the、uh, Gulf of Guinea,、mm-hmm. uh, so where、uh, they can really serve as a logistic hub. And then you know,、uh, and more、uh, in, instead of uh, uh, you know the investment on, uh, uh, per se, but China also、uh, is streamlining its domestic market rules, where more of the Chinese importers actually are participating in the China-Africa cooperation. They identify not only the lot work with historical legacies,、mm-hmm. um, but、uh, all the you know agricultural pro- produce, aquatic products, etc. And、uh, African coffee, but particularly,、uh, actually, I'm at the moment drinking Ethiopia coffee, <laughs> and so、uh, so this is something that really people see the benefit.、Uh, I still remember in Space Jam we have a song to say that uh, uh, if you can see it, you can do it.、Wow. Now、mm-hmm. with enlarged vision、uh, for African people and also for Chinese, uh, uh, not only the investors but also consumers, if they see the benefit of working together. No one can really dismantle this、mm. level of collaboration. Okay, Professor Onanaiju, Professor Liu just mentioned just now that when we see the benefits, no one can break this、uh, sort of this relationship. We're seeing tangible results. Just mentioned the Leaky Port, which is worth one billion US dollars, and then we also mentioned more countries have been joining since the inception of the BRI. Now, when we look at the Current state of the China-Africa investment relationship. What are the stereotypes of the BRI investment in Africa? What are some of the details that the rest of the world are missing? Now, here I'm making reference also to scholars and some media that say, "Look, this is associated with some sort of debt trap." What are we missing here? What are the details that the rest of the world is missing? Well, you see,、um, this whole、uh, idea of、um, 
a trap, you mm -hmm. know. Well, there is no doubt that there is a challenge of sustainability, mm -hmm. you know, especially in Africa. But um, to talk about the death trap as part of BRI does not represent the picture of the truth. Because like I told you, mm -hmm. even before the Belt and Road, even before the important China-African cooperation, mm -hmm. African aspiration for building a regional economy of scale, for developing capacity, for de developing connectivity within the region and trading more within the region mm -hmm. has been uh, an enduring relation for Africa. Uh, but uh, so far, the historic um, problem of realization because of funding, because of finance, that is the point. Mm -hmm. The idea of uh, building connectivity, the idea of building an economic community, the idea of um, a common free trade area mm -hmm. has always been on the ground, has mm -hmm. always been on the board. It's part of the vision for Pan-Africanism, part of the vision for building regional cooperation and engaging Africa and integrating Africa to the mainstream of the global economy. But this has suffered over time on account of funding and mm -hmm. lack of uh, financing. And the Belt and Road come into the mix and that provided the practical way out of this. Mm -hmm. And then um, Currently, Africa is stepping up in area of uh, infrastructure connectivity, in area of building economy of scale. Currently, the African free trade is going to witness a rebound on account of uh, connectivity that is already existing as part of the Belt and Road engagement. Mm. Just like I said about the Lagos Lake Deep Sea Port, which is going to serve as a hub for the entire sub-region in West Africa, promoting logistics and enabling cutting down time of uh, doing business and reducing the costs mm. of doing business, you know, within Africa and across Africa and with the rest of. And these are the practical needs, these are the practical issues. Right. So on this issue of debt overhang, this issue of debt trap, we've had it over time. It's mm -hmm. been a standard distinct, and the most African heads of government have addressed it. Mm -hmm. The Nigerian former president, President Buhari, has said, okay, if you say the Chinese are loading us with debt trap, mm -hmm. give us your own loan and we can forgo the Chinese. Mm -hmm. And uh, he threw this challenge in the open. Nobody has responded to yeah. it. So I think um, it's become a very tiresome cliche and it no longer holds and uh, has very little or no weight in African economic policy circles and mm -hmm. even the academic circles. This whole question of death trap and all that, because it's not about death trap, it's about making available this funding, which is critical in solving African existential problems. Of mm -hmm. course, there are challenges, no two ways about it, right. in regards to Belt and Road partnership. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, policy alignment, which is a core, which is one of the core areas of Belt and Road cooperation. African countries, we need to design policies that facilitate and engages productively and in active collaboration with the Belt and Road. The mm -hmm. spirit of the Belt and Road, the philosophy is extensive consultation, joint contribution and shared benefit. So Africa will have to throw in her own beat. Mm. It doesn't have to, if it is duly consulted, it has to respond in policy, in policy forms. It has to engage in policy connectivity. Mm -hmm. It has to engage in policy responses, enrich the Belt and Road process. Mm -hmm. And in terms of joint contribution, Africa also have to step up in terms of physical monetary policy that mm -hmm. encourages collaboration in Belt and Road projects. Okay. These are critical areas Africa should rise right. if we are to maximize the outcome of the Belt and Road benefit. Of course, adjusted domestic policies to mm -hmm. create room for investment, mm -hmm. create the room for 
investment collaboration. These are reform our custom union, mm. our custom, reform the institutional basis for engagement, for mm. trade. Because like you know, Africa has constantly said, we need more trade, not more aid. We are not interested in aid anymore. Mm. We receive aid over aid. Done very little to change the narrative in the continent. We are more interested in trade. Mm. And China is responding to this desire in a very pragmatic and practical way. Mm. And in my view, Belton Road is very practical in addressing this core concern of Africa that wants to trade and not to be aided. Mm. So I think um, despite destruction, despite um, harsh rhetoric, Africa has shown strong commitment. Like mm -hmm. I've said at the mm -hmm. beginning of this program, Africa currently has the largest number of countries that have signed up to the Memorandum of Belt and Road Partnership with the three countries so far. And that, that on the right, in two sizes, mm -hmm. the clear in two sizes and understanding in Africa that the BRI corresponds and aligns with the current challenge in Africa and present a platform to address issues relating to the critical question in African development. Mm. So it is not an alliance, it's a process, it's a mechanism for engaging the public good offered by the Belt and Road. And what is very important about the Belt and Road is its collaborative, okay. you know, the sentiment of host-driven, mm -hmm. host-driven projects, you know, it is not detected by Beijing. Mm. It is done through extensive consultation mm. with the host being the essential key driver in the process of construction, in the process of engagement in the Belt and Road. And this is the distinctive characteristics of Belt and Road as a public good, because you can engage it from the point of your national priority. You know, you can engage it from the point of your national priority. You can find a niche within the broad framework of the process, within the from the framework of your national priority and your national consideration. So it offers different things. It's not one, one fits all. It offers Different offer. It is a platform that offered different chains to different countries according to their national priorities. Thank you for adding on the areas where you feel that Africa and China can perhaps coordinate more on their policies there. Um, you mentioned that Africa needs to step up on policy connectivity, step up on monetary policy and industrialization policy and trade moving forward. Professor Liu, the third Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation will be held in Beijing this October. Now, what can we expect as key areas relating to China-Africa relations? On top of the agenda is mm -hmm. high quality growth okay. for both partners. And therefore, when we really talk about high quality growth, we, mm -hmm. we mean concerted efforts mm -hmm. and coordinated growth. Okay. It is not only the economic figures that mm -hmm. is uh, there to evaluate the performance, but also a more holistic approach uh, in terms of environmental quality, mm -hmm. in terms of enhanced governance mm -hmm. and um, um, uh, macroeconomic management, and uh, also how we can really cater to the sustainable development goals set forth by the UN because the UN Secretary raised uh, rather a pessimistic tone over what can be delivered for the SDG because there's only seven years left mm -hmm. and uh, Africa is uh, really holding a larger part of the mm -hmm. stake. So therefore, how China can really, in the first place, have a better coordination in policy mm -hmm. and uh, also have a 
a better understanding of the cross-cultural differences mm. over multiple stakeholders towards a project, and also how we can really address some of the protectionist barriers mm -hmm. that is over there. Because uh, you know, the Africa has all the wonderful visions, in, be it uh, 2063, be it the free trade area for the, the entire continent, but how that can be play out on mm. the implementation level, that's something that remains to be uh, to be discussed. Mm. And on the China, we also talk about the unification of the Chinese, uh, the marketplace, uh, because we also have some, so many provinces, so many localities. We also need to really eradicate some of the intangible barriers that block mm -hmm. market access and add cost to doing business. So I believe that uh, more of the business people, particularly after the three years of pandemic lockdown, mm -hmm. and they also have a pent-up demand to meet uh, each other and to tap new opportunities, you know, in addition to shaking hands and with whining and dining. Mm. Okay, Professor Ananaiju, I'm going to ask you the same question as well. What can we expect as key areas relating to China-Africa relations? Well, like I said, um, I think uh, quite a number of African heads of state will be in Beijing, and mm -hmm. um, that underscores the importance of this process to mm -hmm. Africa. And uh, like um, the team will be, high quality, continuously improving, continuously developing the quality of engagement mm. with Africa. Mm -hmm. I think will be, uh, Africa will be looking forward to, of course, more deliverables, more concrete outcome, uh, like it has always been, you know, concrete outcomes from Beijing. And uh, I think uh, nothing short of this will be seen. Uh, mm -hmm. But like I said, uh, Africa should uh, also step up, meet the Chinese partners halfway, and uh, this, in my view, we have to do with, um, like Professor Liu has said, a whole range of questions should be asked about uh, creating access market, you know, the African economic market. Will it be open or will mm -hmm. it be closed? Mm -hmm. What will be the prospect? What are the internal mechanisms mm -hmm. for really playing out as a significant part of the international economic value chain? Mm -hmm. These are the critical questions mm -hmm. that Africa should also respond. So I believe that... Um, the outcome of the third forum of the Belt and Road will uh, generate a, a lot more enthusiasm in Africa. Mm -hmm. But uh, like I said, Africa has a responsibility to create the policy space mm. to maximize the cooperation within the framework of the Belt and Road. So as Africans leaders go to Beijing to engage in this process, they should be in mind of their own responsibility right, right. to add to the quality of this process, mm. to add to the speed, the quality and the scope of this mechanism. Like China has always said, mm -hmm. Belt and Road originated from China, but it belongs to the world. Right. It is not a solo, not a solo activity. Is a global symphony, mm. and global symphony can only be played if all voices and all hands are on deck. So for me, the outcome of the third forum will not depend so much on the will and the strength of the Chinese, which cannot be doubted, on the collaborative voices, the strong voices, the strong hands of several collaborative partners, African inclusive. So we are looking at the next phase of the Belt and Road in the state of quality engagement quality outcome and impactful in the life of the ordinary people, the working people across the world. 
Hmm. Well, those are some wonderful insights there from uh, Professor Liu Baocheng and Professor Charles Onanaiju. We hope we can have you again next week in another episode to discuss the forum and probably pick up on some key areas discussed and the way forward. Listeners, we value your feedback. For any comments on this episode, drop us an email on audionewsroom at cgtn.com. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.